Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right. Hey, David, you there? All right, well, let's get ourselves looking at your screen. So thank you so much for being here. I know, uh, you know, it takes a bit to get here and, and all that stuff. Where are you at? Are you on East Coast or West Coast? Uh, I'm in the East Coast. Yeah, I'm in North Carolina. Cool. Are you on the job right now or at the at the job? Yes. Where's yep. the job? Um, I'm at um, Red Storm Entertainment. Um, we're part of uh, Ubisoft. Um, yeah. Now, I have to ask you, is it Ubisoft <laughs> or Ubisoft? Like, I'm trying I, to figure this one out. I think the French thing would be, it would probably be Ubisoft, Ubi, Ubi, you know. They oh, like yeah. That. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, but but, you're, but yeah. I, I probably said it both ways, and I probably okay. say Ubisoft more than I do Ubi. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. I just yeah. don't want to come across as a jerk because, you know, everybody no. I talk to, we're all like, wait, no, it's said this way. No, it's said. <laughs> no, 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 no worries. <laughs> So what do you do there, environment artist? And what I'm asking here because is like, well, I'll say it this way. I mean, environment arts is to me, it's the area that has changed in our industry more than anything else. Like character art totally changed, what, 12 years ago. That change is largely locked in and substance definitely changed a lot of stuff. But environment arts, oh my God. So what uh, what do you do as an environment artist? What does that mean? Um, yeah, so it, it has changed a lot. Um, and, you know, it's still changing quite a bit and I saw like a little bit of uh, what you were showing there with the um, the AI stuff and um, yeah. that that's that's sure to change things even more um, but um, so currently um, I am more focused on props mm -hmm. um, and I work on uh, I worked on the division two and I'm working on the division two currently um, and um, so yeah we split things up we call level artists uh, we have level artists, we have building artists, and we have prop artists, and we have texture artists, and we call them all environment artists, um, but which is a little confusing. Um, mm -hmm. But they are distinct um, things. But as a prop artist, I've done a little bit of all of those things, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but um, but primarily, what we do, um, you know, especially working on the division, uh, working on a big open world game. Um, I don't know exactly how many props we had in the last game, but um, it you know it was in the thousands, and um, so we can't make all that stuff in house. So a big part of that you know does become working with um, outsourcing um, and um, helping. Yeah, there's a big section of just like helping decide like what kind of props need to be made to fill out the world and how we can do things. You know in a more, the most efficient manner and um, uh, figuring out all the metrics and how we can, you know, most efficiently use textures, doing all that sort of stuff. Um, right. So that's a big, or at least, you know, on on the last um, two games I've worked on, that's been a big chunk of it. And then it's, um, uh, after that, it's, you know, for me, it's uh, actually making the props that are more custom to the areas, um, that we're making um, and helping, you know, reintegrate and fix outsourcing stuff 
and um, working with a level artist to get the things that they need on. Got it. Sorry, I hope so, that, that, that wasn't too all over the place, but no, I, I, I mean that the the career is all over the place. So that you know, I don't know how you could have solved that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, there's uh, there's also people that um, deal with the terrain and the look dev. So for your job yeah. specifically, so you're there's level artists. Um, can you explain quickly like what a level artist does um, at uh, Ubisoft? Yeah, I screwed it up. Yeah, I tried, but I screwed it up. No, no, it's good. I, I like I like your way. I like your way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I yeah, I'm not sure if it's true at all of the Ubi offices, but I. I think it might be like for the most part. Um, well, no, that's actually I, I know that it's not true. So I um, for um, um, for several of the studios they work this way, but our yeah. our level artists don't generally make um, any new assets. Um, mm -hmm. They're primarily just um, building out the world, um, okay. and I mean, which is a, a huge responsibility. Um, so that when I say they don't make anything, they 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 have a huge responsibility, and and actually a lion's share of the work falls on their shoulders. But, um, but that's what their pr primary uh, responsibility is, is to, um, to build out the world. Um, so, so this could be like a level designer as well, could be another title. Well, they, so the level designers for us actually design out the, design the world and they block out, like they do the initial really rough block out yes. um, and decide, you know, the main flow of how things are moved. Well, even earlier than that, I mean, and, and we've 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 already released this, so I, it's not you know I'm not breaking anything by saying it, but um, uh, I know we showed like how we did. Um, we had got GIS uh, data, I believe that's what it is, yeah. GIS data, mm -hmm. um, and they built out um, Washington D.C. Uh, and so they had Washington D.C. like the layout of Washington D.C. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was it was crazy to watch the, the video of them doing it. Uh, they did that over at massive. And um, and they had the layout, and now things had to change and stuff like that, and they had to you know uh, move things around a little bit. But that was on the level design side. Mm -hmm. um, and then the the level artists come in, um, and they start taking all the props. They build out um, our buildings are built on splines. Um, oh, I know okay. there are videos out there that show how our building system works. But if people have seen, I know that I think Blueprints, they have something similar with Blueprints and Unreal. And I know that like people have been showing stuff with Houdini, but it's essentially where you can draw out uh, a spline and then define sections of the spline um, to be like wall A, you know, we have, you know, thousands of those walls, you know, with different windows and doors and all that sort of right. stuff. Uh, and so the level artist will go through and do that stuff. And then, you know, place all the props around it um, and then work with art directors and everything to, to develop theming and all that kind of stuff. That makes um, sense. And they do, the, yeah. they do the terrain as well, actually, I guess you, you'd mentioned that. So they, they also paint, paint the terrain. So um, they bring it into 3D and using splines, mm -hmm. I imagine that's also a Houdini um, friendly pipeline there too. Well, so ours is all in engine, but it is very similar um, to what I've seen from okay. uh, a lot of Houdini workflows. They just built it all um, engine. Um, cool. And so your job is you are part of building the assets and interfacing yeah. with the the guys who um, who are kind of building these out, uh, dealing with outsourcing and things like that. But really, I mean, at the end of the day, you're responsible for providing assets to these guys. Yeah, and like for this last game, a lot of the stuff that I did was for um, for so at the at Redstone we did the dark zone area. Um, mm -hmm. 
in the division two. And so a lot of what I did was, um, you know, working with our art director and our art leads and, um, um, developing, helping create some of those main assets, um, that, um, uh, that our art director had come up with to define the look of the dark zone. And so that's what a lot of like myself and the other prop artists, we worked on, on those assets to try to, um, cause it's, it's easier for that stuff to work in house and to, you know, where you can just go directly to the art director and say like that, you know, or to your lead or whatever. And like, no, not like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. whereas if you're working with outsourcing, you know, that has to go through hard people and it's a slower process. So, um, tell me about, um, oops, sorry, get the table. Tell me about, uh, prop artists and prop art in general. Cause this is, it's kind of, this is kind of really near and dear to my heart. When I, when I built the boot camp. For environment artists, the first time I ran the boot camp, um, we just did environments. And so people would go off and they'd build like, hey, I'm going to do Mordor. Um, and <laughs> yeah. 12, 12 months later, like Mordor is <laughs> not done. So, right. you know, they bit off way, way, way too much. So the second time I was like, yeah, something's wrong. So the first right. uh, thing I have people do is I have them build a prop. Because, you know, it's like for character arts, the first thing I have them do is I have them make a face because it's like all the problems you're ever going to encounter are there. And if you can't do that, then what makes you think you can basically make another environment that is just a collection of props at the end? That, that is so I, I tell people the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I see lots of students and I get it. I did the same thing. Um, yeah. You know, you just get so ambitious, like, oh, I'll make this huge, crazy world. And it's like, yeah, and I don't know how to unwrap things properly <laughs> or, like, make shaders, you know. And, yeah. and I, I totally get it, but it's just – and then they end up, like, you know, yeah, however many months later, and you're looking at it, and you're like, I really hate to tell you this. I can tell you you did a lot of work, which is really bad. Uh, but, <laughs> that, that's hard. But it's an important yeah. lesson because, you, you know, it's – and this is kind of – I mean, it kind of leads into the whole – AI machine learning conversation, but everybody wants to get ahead of the foundations and the foundations are the foundations, period. Full stop. So yeah. No, no, yeah. I didn't mean interrupt it. Yeah. So so what are what are the foundations from your perspective for prop art? Oh man. Um so that's 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 tricky. I think um the so there are a couple of different ways of looking at it. Like one is the, that you're just trying to get a job. Um and if you're just trying to get a job, you know, people aren't as picky about poly counts, tri counts, how big your textures are and stuff, as long as things look good. So really like just making things look good is king, you know. If you want to make a chair, you know, just make it look like the chair. And honestly, like if I come back and look at how you made it and later I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. You know, <laughs> but it looks good. And it's like, well, I can teach you how to make it right. You know, so in some ways it's, it's like a simple, you know, thing in that mm -hmm. you just have to sort of like learn those basics of modeling and texturing and all that, and just sort of make it look like the thing. Mm -hmm. um, but once you get into development, yeah, I mean, the, 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 that's when, you know, things do get much more complicated because you have to learn how to follow the rules um, and to make it, um, as cheap as possible. Um, and then that becomes like a whole game within itself. Um, but it, but uh, it sounds like when, from your perspective, that's the easier thing. To I, I mean, I do think it is. I think it's, um, uh, you know, the other side, you kind of either have it or you don't. I mean, not that you can't get better, but you mm -hmm. know, but you can look at some people and just say, I, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. Um, 
you need to work a lot harder. Or, but I, I think I've seen enough people who uh, we've forgiven, I guess, for mm-hmm. their um, technical errors and poor choices. But because it looked so good, you know, right. you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as you're not, you know, you're a nice person and uh, work with people, you know, we'll, we'll teach you. Um, yeah. Take directions, not force your opinion. Yeah, because honestly, most people, even if they know a lot of that stuff, once they come into the job, they're still going to have to learn learn another layer of what they know. You know, so yeah. you might know, you know, you everybody knows that you need to keep it at a low try count, but maybe you don't know like where uh, where you should be sacrificing triangles, right. like you know that yeah. it should be based on what the player can see or like you know you know whatever. You know, there's there are lots of um, uh, intricacies and nuances there that, that you learn over time. Yeah, you know, one of the things I, because topology is obviously one of the things that's on a lot of people's mind. If they want to be a game artist, they're usually very cognizant of topology. Um, but I spend a lot of time trying to get people not to think about topology because uh, I think it, you were talking about it. That the first thing you got to do is you got to make it look like that thing. So it's got to look good first. Yeah. The modeling's got to be good. So we use a construction mesh approach, just means just building it out in a way that makes our life easier. Then when we get to the low poly, you know, then the people have this confusion between the construction mesh, which is all quads, and you're doing the quads mostly because you want to be able to control where the edge loops go. So the edge loops will flow into, you know, create nice bevels, just make your life easier. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they'll create these low res that have, that are all quads, right? And, you know, I'm sitting there saying, you know, the, that's when you introduce the triangle is in the lower. So do you, are you looking at the screen by chance? Yeah. Okay. So if we're, um, if we're looking at the screen, like for this kind of thing, right. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the dilemma that we have when we're thinking about low res uh, and, and what I'm doing is I'm, I'm asking your opinion on this right now is if I'm thinking about how to decimate or kind of reduce the polygons these areas are you using just real simple triangulation like this or are you looking at people's work and saying no you know you need to try to keep things a little more organized like what what is it that you you use to evaluate good topology so um yeah so i for me um if if the undulation in the surface is noticeable enough from like where the player's camera is then I think it's worth to have that vert, vert, you know, and like a, like in one of those flat faces or seemingly flat faces, um, you know, if, but if the, if the undulation is pretty subtle and it's really not gonna be visible to the player, then, mm-hmm. you know, we just try to remove them um, and just keep all of the verts in the areas where all the places where I've got all the damage. Um, yeah. That way I can get more resolution in those areas and I just keep everything else cheap um uh plus we use um a trick that um i I know that uh, other places use the same thing but um we use um like corner dent decals um on the edges so it's like uh there's strips of normals um and it just it allows us to make um those vertical you know long edges look like they have some sort of notching and sort of you know um small you know sort of surface variations um uh, which also helps, so you can reduce some of your um, your your try count there. Um, that might be just a decal that just gets stuck on. Yeah, like if there are bigger chunks, like you can see some places where, like I actually like I think right where you're circled, like that actually looks like it might be a bigger chunk. I think that is actual geometry. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, I did for these. Um, some of them I did in uh, in Houdini too. There were um, there was mm. uh, um, 
which was fun. I mean, actually, I, ma- I didn't make them in Houdini, but I uh, fractured them and then um, was able to, uh, like, drop them onto a yeah. ground plane and have them scatter. Um, and nice. uh, I think I made a, a few more variations that I didn't put in here just because they all kind of look the same. But, um, but uh, yeah, I, one of our uh, tech artists, um, uh, Christian Stith, um, helped me um, with that. And, so, and then once I set up that one thing in Houdini, I was able to just drag in other meshes, you know, move the cutters around a little bit and mm-hmm. drop it. And um, and then they required a little bit more cleanup at the end after uh, I, I was able to get to a certain level of the remesh, but um, but then I had to go back in and then clean it up a little bit more. But what do you think awesome. of that program? I, I mean, it's really weird. Uh, I'm I am <laughs> I I'm not a scripter, so I, I I really wish that I had taken a little more time, uh, you know, learning that side of things. And I mean, not mm-hmm. that it's not too too late, but it's such a big investment. And that's been like sort of a a struggle for me. Yeah. Uh, is figuring out is it worth the investment? Um, but I it it might be because I mean you're, I think you were sort of hinting at this earlier, but like the the future of prop artists. Um, I I'm not 100 percent sure what that's going to look like. Um, mm-hmm. and and maybe even in like five years. Um, and it could be that you know I, I do think Houdini is going to be a bigger player or at least tools like that. Um, and being like able the, to set up like the fracturing tool that your tech artist built. Yeah. Like just being yeah. able to, um, set up more procedural, um, workflows, um, mm-hmm. just because we have so many assets and, um, anything you can do to, you know, move through those faster, um, and still achieve the same look. Um, I mean, as much as I love ZBrush, you know, you know, going in and hand doing all the edging by hand oh, and doing all, you know, yeah. it just, it just doesn't make sense anymore. Um, but um, it just takes too long, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then not to mention, I, I mean, it's quick to sculpt, but it's, it's the exporting, it's the connecting of the maps and all of that. That's actually the labor intensive. It's like five minutes to do the work. And it's just a big asset to, that you have to put through that pipeline. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go for it. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. No, I was just, I was just agreeing. Yeah. So uh, for me, like I've, I've actually, all of my students will get Houdini training. Like anybody who's been through my bootcamp will get Houdini training because I've been I've been soaking, steeping in it two three weeks now, and I mean I'm kind of obsessive oh, when good. I get into these things. And I, I've been steeping and I'm figuring it out and trying to figure out where the angle is and what's going to happen. And I'm I'm confident it's if if it's not Houdini, something like Houdini because it's the it's the proceduralness that just is becoming too um, rampant, you know, because at the end of the day, substance painters is that hybrid of procedural and I still have some hand control, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. What substance did to the texturing game. I mean, it's oh. just, uh, it's amazing. Um, yeah. 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 It's, it's been, it's been really impressive what those guys have done. Um, and, um, and I think with what they've shown with the alchemy, alchemy is the, their um, AI-based um, program that they just uh, just released. I think you know that's going to be like a whole nother level um, where you know a lot of the things that you're still doing by hand in Substance Painter, where you're you know tweaking the generators and doing all that stuff, mm-hmm. like you're not even going to have to do that stuff. I don't think. Yeah. Very long. Um, Agreed. And. Yeah, it's kind of it's a weird it's a weird time. It's exciting. I mean, some of it is a little um, you know, I I kind of miss sometimes some of the like more craft craftsman yep. sort of side of things, mm-hmm. but at the same time, 
you know, when you look at the quality of work that you can pump out and the time you can pump it out, it, it's kind of hard to argue with it. Um, you know, we were bringing this up in our um, in one of the classes where the junior artists artwork, somebody had a thread on Facebook, I think it was, they're like, well, show us your junior level work. And then people were like, shit, that's your junior level work? Like, <laughs> what? And then there was this whole conversation of they're doing seniors work at this point. And uh, oh my God, the you know juniors, and then it was a conversation about the business execs are like, okay, we're going to get free labor or cheap labor, not free. You're going to get cheaper labor. And I mean, I you know definitely this industry does not bode well for people who want to just relax and work to retirement. That's a given. Um, no. But you know it's it's something to remember. I think um, that this industry, even though like we were looking at the juniors. It's not, and this is my opinion. You tell me what you think. It's not that the juniors are like suddenly this year, there's just like something in the water. It's more like the tools have gotten so much better that people just get better faster because of the tools. Do you agree or disagree? No, I, I, I definitely think that's true. I mean, um, you know, like a, a bunch of us here at work, we got into, uh, for like hard surface modeling, we got into mm. a lot of the Fusion 360 stuff a couple yeah. of years back. And, um, that, um, and I've, you know, seeing more and more people on Facebook, you know, posting all this work with fusion or Moi3D and all these different CAD light programs. And when you see what you can do, I mean, in the speed that you can do it, you don't have to worry about topology. You don't have to worry about all this stuff and you can just, you know, spit out this high res model that, you know, you can bake down, um, and it's just so much faster. Um, right. And it still has, like at least Fusion has the procedural element and that it's got a timeline and, you know, it sort of can be like a stack in Max or Blender or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but um, um, yeah, I, I, it it is impressive. It is impressive. And I, I think it, it's going to continue. Um, I, I think that's one of the big things that I know I think about and then I try to tell other people, you know, you know, you have to, think think towards the future and try to think about like what value you know you add because yeah, yeah tools are going to keep getting better and better um and um there are so many amazingly talented artists out there i mean you, you know go on to art station and it's just you know it's it's mind-boggling but so you have to you know you but that doesn't mean you don't have a place you do have you can and you know you know have a place in that um but it's just figuring out like what value you add um you know um and um because it i don't think it can just be that you're good at making a chair look like a chair because mm -hmm. i think that's gonna not be as important mm -hmm. in the not too distant future i, I don't want to sound like doom and gloom because i don't think it has to be that way like i think there's some, there will be something else i just don't know what it is um you know, it's like, I mean, I worked with texture artists before the substance thing, you know, happened and they didn't like doing that kind of stuff, you know? And mm -hmm. so they liked hand painting everything and, um, they didn't learn the new way, you know? Um, are they still employed? So, uh, you know, doing other, you know, like, you know, probably more like mobile and, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. I mean, it's, um, yeah. but yeah, and, and, and uh, yeah, I can call people out, but I, I'm just thinking of people who are like amazingly talented, but you know, they didn't stay on top of that trend. Um, oh, we don't have to go far. I mean, I experienced that myself because I was like a ZBrush guy. I loved ZBrush and that was like my, that was my life. That was my <laughs> focus. And, but then substance came about and 
it killed a lot. People don't like me to say this, but I mean, they, it killed a lot of what ZBrush was there for. And, um, you know, yeah. just in the same way that ZBrush killed a lot of things, traditional sculptors were there for. I mean, I was, I'm a traditionally trained sculptor. I saw friends lose, you know, with families, lose jobs. Never, those jobs right. were never coming back ever. Right. You know, right. and so substances, uh, you know, came through and it just killed a whole bunch. So I know from my own experience, it's like I took a little bit longer than I would have liked to right now, you know, to to pick that one up. And now it's just like, God, it's so powerful. There's so many cool things you can do with it. Yeah. And I think photogrammetry is going to be another really big yeah. thing. Um, We're looking at that right now, too. One of my one of my students, one of my business school students is actually is building a course on that. And I'm excited because it's it's be it's been around forever. I did a class on it like eight years ago, but it's becoming uh -huh. more relevant now. Yeah, no, uh, we had uh, one of our um, our tech artists. He, um, I know he used photogrammetry on a lot of stuff that, mm -hmm. um, on several pieces that we used in the game. Um, cool. Yeah, um, yeah, it, yeah, and it, it works. And the things that he did, it's like, yeah, of course. Like, why wouldn't you? if you can do that? I mean, it looks like the thing, you know. I, I mean, I can't, I can't argue with that. Mm -hmm. um, but. Well, let's talk about this question of because what value you add, I think, is a really important one. Um, so, what value do we add? Like, if um, one of the things that's on my mind as I say this is uh, a conversation I had. My students have already heard me tell this story. Uh, there's a, up. I live at um, in Laguna, and in the neighborhood where I live uh, is one of the presidents of a of a local game company, and mm -hmm. uh, it's a good game company. They do a lot of great stuff. And we were down having coffee, and uh, he mentioned that one of the things that he runs into is that artists a lot of his artists will work to the portfolio that's what this is way he phrased so they'll work to their portfolio so they're on a first person shooter they spend a day on the guy's shoelaces and shoes and he's looking at this like you just cost me x amount of dollars because nobody's going to see those shoes so <laughs> i need you to work to project so while we're over here looking at all this cool stuff on art station and whatnot, I think it's easy to forget that games are biz executives there. And the executives are like, yeah, this is great. I have a, I have artists that produce really great work, but I got a timeline and I don't want you to do those damn shoes again. Right, right. So yeah. what value can people add to them? You know, because I think um, along these lines, it's like, it's not, if I understood you correctly, it's not just about having awesome artwork and you have to be thinking outside of that. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it depends on like what kind of, um, position you're trying for um, mm -hmm. you know I think if you're trying to make um, if you're trying to make weapons or vehicles or you know um, I mean even characters I mean I think you know those specific things like you know it really is about you know you have to make guns that look just like the guns that they use in that game or care you know what I mean like people want to see that but um, but uh, but outside of that for like most the majority of the art team, I think it is a lot more about, you know, being able to work with a team. Um, and then um, I, I think part of it is just, you know, seeing, and this is a harder thing to to define, but you can see people who just have like a, a certain eye for things um, mm -hmm. and that are quick at learning, um, that don't make a lot of excuses, um, mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you know, we've we've hired some um, some juniors lately, and uh, you know, I say like one of them, you know, and she was always over there like writing notes, you know, when people were telling her things, and I mean, I didn't do this, um, and so, uh, but it's it's a great, uh, you know, uh, trait, um, and you, you can just see how serious she mm -hmm. was about like learning, 
yeah. and then she actually, you know, took it on. And then the next time she didn't make that, she had her notes, you know, it was, it's impressive. Um, but I think those kind of things, um, um, at the, at the beginning level, I think that's really, um, really important. And, and I mean, I think it stays important as you progress. Um, but, um, uh, going forward though, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure what that thing is. Like I, I've been thinking a lot about like where props are going and where like, and, and I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Um, uh, you know, I've been working a lot on my own, trying to develop my own sort of, I don't know, uh, artistic ability, I guess, like my, mm-hmm. uh, design sense. Mm-hmm. Um, um, just because I kind of wonder if like that will be a thing in the yeah. not so distant future where, I mean, we already all like pop artists in general, you're given a thing and it's not usually like that specific. It's like, Hey, I mean, it's not at least in my experience, it's not like, Hey, we want you to make this chair because that chair is, you know, marketing won't allow you to make that chair. So you need to make a chair that looks like a composite of these four different chairs. So even at that basic level, you're doing some design work, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, so, uh, so I think going forward, um, I think that is actually, I didn't say that. And I think that is actually a, a, a really important trait too. Cause um, you get other people that really can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it ha- you have to tell them exactly what you want them to make. They can't do the synthesis. They can't. And that's, that's a, um, that's a frustrating. Um, it, it's a difficult thing. If you, if you can't, if you can't do the synthesis. Um, I understand. Yeah. That makes a lot sorry. of sense. Am I rambling? Rambling's good. We're this is a podcast of artists. You know, where where would I be if we didn't ramble? Okay, I have to catch myself. Okay, I had to catch myself. Got it. All right. So, and, and I think that's what we see on your art station is you're really exploring that. That's where a lot of the personal and the ZBrush work is. I imagine coming in, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I great. love ZBrush for um, it's just uh, you know it's it's like 3d sketching, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's, um, I mean, and, and the stuff that I make on my, it's not, you know, professional, like it's not ready to be put into a game or, you know, I don't worry about any of that stuff. I just like, yeah. um, that, that freedom. Um, um, and it's fun to flex those muscles. Um, yeah. I remember Ofer told me once, um, that ZBrush was a Ferrari. And when you <laughs> sit down in it as an open it up, because, you know, I was complaining about the user interface because I, you know, I traveled, I traveled to Ubisoft. I uh, went to Montreal. Oh God, I don't know how several times uh-huh. and um, would train at that studio there for a while. Uh, and I'd always come back like, Hey, you know, this problem with the interface, that problem with the interface and this and that. And, and Ofer'd always say to me, you know, it's like, look, it's a Ferrari. If you step into a Ferrari, you don't want a Ferrari to look like a Honda. That's not the idea. You know, the idea <laughs> of a Ferrari is that you learn how to drive the Ferrari. And how, so you're okay with that. You don't want it to right. be built for you. That's Honda. That's Toyota, different market. And I think he's done a great job with it. Yeah, actually, I um, I think it was it was maybe like two years back at the Zebra Summit. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure his name is Chi Vang. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing his first name right. Um, mm-hmm. But he did a presentation um, and he showed off his custom UI yeah. for ZBrush. And that was really the, like, where I saw, um, like, how I'd been doing it wrong. You know, it was uh-huh. just like, oh, I make my own menu. 
I set up my own hotkeys for all that stuff. It was like, right, you don't have to go look at through all those meetings. Like, how did I not think about it? I do this in every other program, but I didn't do it in ZBrush. And uh, once I set up my menus so that they're set up to hotkeys and I can just, you know, um, bring up all the things that I want uh, the way that I want them, um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it, it actually is a very fluid uh, program to work mm-hmm. with now. But, um, but without that, yeah, it is, uh, it is very different. Yeah, it's a beast. So for um, for props, we're not sure where this career is going. Are you at all worried? You know, because I talk to people about this, and I, I mean, you know, and I, and I'm wondering that at some point we will have built all the props in the universe, won't we? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I, 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 I mean, I think about that. Um, you know, I mean, and we definitely reuse. Um. And then, you know, it's not like a complete one for one. You can just grab this from another project or from a pervi- you know, previous version of the project and, you know, bring it back in and it works 100% the way it should. You have to do some things to, you know, make it fit your shaders and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I think, yeah, I do wonder about that for realistic games, like where, um, where that will go. But, you know, it could be, um, Actually, that same guy you were um, um, you were watching his um, the AI thing. Um, oh, I can't think of Promethean, uh, and I don't know his name. Uh, yeah, right. Andrew. Yeah, that Andrew Maximoff. Yeah, I saw his uh, GDC talk uh, a couple years ago. Um, it was actually a really good talk. Um, mm-hmm. um, and um, but it was about sort of the future of um, game production from the um, asset and art side. Yeah, um, and you know, like his point was just that, yes, you know, like with his tool, you're going to need fewer level artists to make a game. Um, but, you know, maybe there'll be more game, you know, maybe you can make games more quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, maybe there will be fewer people at one job doing, you know, X, but there will be more jobs. Um, or maybe uh, his thing was, the realistic games will be so easy to make that the AAA games will all look a little bit more stylized or done mm. by hand, sort of, Beautiful. because yeah. photogrammetry and everything and all the AI, it'll just be so easy to do that the, it'll be more of the indie and mobile games that'll be doing, or not, mm-hmm. not necessarily mobile. Um, I get what you mean. It's just, going to become more stylized. Like, though, realism will be so commonplace that in order for people to distinguish them, what they're doing, they'll have to have some aesthetic something that makes it special i mean and i could see that you know because like even looking at you know i mean you know even what they've been trying to do with like call of duty or like the the battlefield games you know they they you know they're trying to push it uh into a certain direction i guess to try and you know i mean at some point it's like how many of these very realistic games can you make i mean there will always be a market but how many can you make before it's like, yeah, I've played in New York, you know, I mean, you know, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I played in Chicago. Yeah. I played in San Francisco. Yeah. I played in, you know, um, so, so maybe that'll be a thing. Um, you know, I do think I'm, I'm optimistic because I know that in the past there have been those things that people have looked at and they were terrified of, you know, that it was like, this is going to destroy all of our jobs, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and then there was something else that nobody knew about that happened. And it was like, Oh, right. But then they just shifted into this. And, um, you know, I mean, it could be like the 2D animators, you know, going to 3D animate. Um, oh, yeah. but, um, so I don't know what that is, but I do think there is hope, but I just think 
the primary thing is that people have to stay on top um, of, of what's going on um, mm-hmm. and keep evolving um, so you don't get stuck, basically. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's really actually a great way to phrase that too, because we were just in um, an interview with uh, the one the individual led me to the whole Promethean and uh, all of that, uh, where he was showcasing how on one of his projects uh, he he had a Houdini artist, and the Houdini artist had a 2D map, and from that 2D map they made the entire the entire level. That was it, the whole thing. <laughs> Just like wherever he wanted ocean, he put blue. Wherever he wanted trees, he put green. Wherever he wanted grass, he put a different kind of green. Next thing you know, he's got this whole thing procedurally built, no level artist at all involved in it, except for, you know, I think they just had props. And um, right. and then he was looking at it, and he was just like, you know, he, he left us a little pessimistic. Like, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. But you're right. You know, I love this idea to remember that, you know, this is all like everything we're talking about. Yes, we're focused on realism. Yes, that's like that's the, you know, I I tell people this all the time. It's not the most couth way to say it, but it's like that's the pissing game we're all in right now. You know, we're just trying to see how far we can go in this level. But the right. thing that's motivating us is imagining. Yes. And I think that we're still at the infancy of uh, storytelling in video games, too. And I, I think that... Um, uh, we're starting to see more of it, I think, in the indie space. Um, and, you know, hopefully, and I, well, I don't think, I think it is going to uh, become more commonplace that um, video games are going to become a more uh, um, complex and I think a more, you know, mature, um, not not that there won't always be the kind of games that are here today, but mm-hmm. I think they're going to be a whole different set of games. Um, and I think that's kind of where like that uh, Andrew Maximov uh, was talking about where, you know, it could be more games, maybe not more, you know, division games, but more games in that instead of people going home and watching Game of Thrones, maybe they're playing something mm. that doesn't even look like the kind of game we're like when we think of game, you know, it's something bigger than that, you know, yeah, and totally. And that that's where like VFX and film and video games sort of merge and it becomes, you know, something bigger than we can imagine right now. Um, yeah, so that's I, a great point. Have you, um, do you have an Oculus or a VR? I'm going to show you this. Uh, we wait. I, I don't, I, they, they, they still kind of make me ill. I'm, um, I'm, I'm waiting on the, the next round. Um, because I've heard they fix some of the latency yeah. stuff, but um, yeah. yeah, it gets me a little there too. I, I, um, when we first got my, our the Oculus, I don't, know, I got it as soon as I could outside of the Kickstarter, and um, so in this in the second round of it, so it's maybe a year, two, three years ago. Anyways, um, I put this on this thing. We wait, and we wait. Mm. When you're in there, it's like it, this is the mobile of mobile characters. Like these, they basically look like Russian doll, maybe. 64 polygons for an entire character yeah. and a texture on it, right? I mean, this is the it's the simplest thing that could possibly be. Uh, and I'm in this, and it's all about these refugees trying to get to Turkey. It was incredibly, hmm. you know, hmm. amazingly. I, my wife, my wife's Indian, and she's had her run-ins okay. with um, with immigration, and Im- run-ins with immigration are never like a positive experience. You oh, know, for, I know. I've heard so many stories. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, there's all there's good reasons behind it, but beyond that, I mean, never good. So my wife, yeah. she put this song on. She she was able to stand maybe a minute, and after that, it was too intense. She was like, "No, get the, no, I can't," and she just left the room. So right. it was like, 
you know, we're trying to go for realism, but here is this, these characters probably got 64 polygons. And that made yeah. my, that brought my wife right into the moment, right into the experience to the point where she couldn't, she couldn't be. Oh, my, well, one of my um, coworkers suggested this game. Um, uh, what's, what happened to Edith Finch? What is it? Something, it was just free on PlayStation. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, it's a similar, I mean, it's a little bit more complex than that, but it's still, um, it's really stylized. It, uh, it's uh, beautiful, um, and uh, yeah, I play. And it's a, it's a, but it's a story. And I don't really don't like games like this, but it's actually really um, emotionally. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it just resonated with me. Like, and you, and because you're first person, you're in this space. It just, it, it was just a really beautifully done game. Um, and it was kind of one of the first ones of that type of game, I guess, where I thought, I was like, oh, I could see how this could be an experience and it's not like a puzzle as obvious that you're just doing a puzzle you know mm-hmm. in this fake world um it's like you're moving through and like it's telling you a story you actually care about the character you know the space feels unique um like yeah. that's that's really cool um yeah firewatch so, was like you know what i never played that and i've heard that i should play that it's uh is from all right so man thank you so much for i don't want to take up too much of your time we're right there at about an hour now and I, I really appreciate this conversation. It's really great. Oh, yeah. Thank you. you. Guys, if you want to find David, it's just E.T. Schultz. You can see the URL right up there. Make sure to give him a follow. Uh, oh, and you follow. I'm on two different accounts. Uh, <laughs> and uh, if, you, uh, if you need anything, this is where you find him. David, thank you so much for, uh, for taking time and for answering questions. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure. And yeah, if, if any, anybody needs anything from me, I... I uh, I try to get back to people as quickly as I can, and um, I, I, I'm definitely um, happy to help however I can. I really appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. Great talking to you. All right. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Bye. Take care. Thanks, guys, for being Thank here. You. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com. To learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.